Can you turn to Genesis 15? We are starting a series called, Are You Crazy? Are you cray-cray, as some of the gangsters might say, if you are down with the hipsters? Are you cray-cray? Are you crazy? I honestly believe as we follow Jesus, we should be getting asked this question. Not once, not twice, many times, especially as the new normal of the world is so different to the normal of Scripture. You just have to look at sexuality to understand the new normal of the world is so different. And Caitlyn Jenner being nominated for Woman of the Year, I'm sorry, but I'm not a fan. And I cannot celebrate that story because to me, it's a story of brokenness. The world celebrates because our world is broken, so they latch onto broken stories and highlight it. And we have to come back to the Word of God and say, God, what are you doing? What are you restoring in time? What is the trajectory that you've got us on to heaven? Not to a slightly better earth. To heaven. To heaven on earth. The city of God on earth. That's what He's restoring. That's what He's bringing back. Full of life and full of order. And as we make those decisions that look more like heaven than they do of earth, people should ask this question, I like you, but are you crazy? Just a little bit. Do you need medication? No, I don't need medication. I was telling someone when I, when I, when I made the decision to meet at the marketplace, I got to sit with um, Case Kreitoff was his name. He was a Dutch man. I worked for an Anglo-Dutch company. He looked like the Archer's Aquaman. Anyone remember the Archer's Aquaman? Check. I can see the Dorfers in the house. They're all going, yeah. <laughs> the Archer's Aquaman. He had his hair. was like perfect. Everything was perfect. This guy was like that guy. And I went to him. He says, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to go work for the church. I love the church. He says, and he's made a whole bunch of statements. And he says, oh, go get it out your system. I'll see you in two years' time. What was he saying? He's saying, you're crazy, dude. You're giving up studies and learning to go and do what? Preach the gospel. Some dead guy who died 2,000 years ago with a story. You're, doing, you're giving your life for that? Well, yes. Because I'm all in. Because Jesus died on the cross. It's not just a story. He died for my freedom, my life, 2,000 years ago, that today I'm no longer a dead person. I'm alive in Christ. And yes, it might sound crazy to you, sir, but if you would allow me to reveal the King of Kings to you, if you would just taste and see of how good He is, I promise your life will never be the same again, and the world will still ask, they'll start asking you, are you crazy? That's the series we're in. But I just stumbled onto this thing the other day, and I'd love to share it from Genesis 1. And it's Abraham, it's Abram, Genesis 15. It's Abram before, he's, he's, he's called Abraham before they've had their children. It's the promises of God coming here. It's, and it, let's read it. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Why does God say do not be afraid? Because the all-knowing God knows he's afraid. So as we enter a series of faith, as we enter a series of things God's calling us to, because He's not calling, oh Mark, what we're going to do is we're going to wait for you to get excited about something. Then we as the church are going to get behind you. And I'm telling you, rubbish. You're not standing behind my shield. He is your shield. And my job is to reveal the one who is your shield so that you can advance your territory in Him. Do not be afraid. I am your shield, your very great Lord. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? 
And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. That was like the worst of the worst. They couldn't have children of their own, so, to, so they wouldn't be able to leave their legacy, their wealth to anyone, so they leave it to the heir. It's the worst of the worst. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look, up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring breathe. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He's standing there. He's in a tent in a desert. He's saying, God, I don't have any heirs. How's this going to change? And God, it says this, God takes him outside of the tent to look at the stars. And he says, count the stars because you can't count them. He says, as many as the stars, so will be your offspring. But there was still an action. There was still an Abram believed. And it was credited to him as righteousness. But here's the thing. Sometimes the tent is our greatest challenge. We're in the middle of the desert and we got a tent. You just got to watch Bear Grylls to know that Bear Grylls really struggles. He, he, you've got safety and you've got a... a he, he got inside of a camel. Have you watched that episode? A dead camel. A camel that had been there for three days. He cut it open. A sandstorm came and he got inside of a dead camel. Anyway, I really have an issue with that. But it's because he could find shelter. God says, actually, I'm going to take you out of this temporary shelter which you have formed in the middle of a desert because I've got an inheritance for you. Will you leave the temporary shelter? Will you come outside? Will you see the stars? And when you see the glory of God, but you can only see it from outside the tent. And I think what God wants to do in this series with us is get some of us outside of our tents. Tents are good things. When you're in the middle of the desert and you've got nothing, a tent is a great thing. A tent is a life source. It's a lifesaver. The problem is, a tent sometimes keeps you in the desert. Putting leaves out at night, trying to gather water so the next day you can survive. And I say, oh, thank you for my tent, God. Thank you for my tent. And God is wanting to say, will you come out of the tent? Will you come out of the comfort zone? Will you come out of the safety? Will you come out of mediocrity? Will you come out of apathy? Will you step into the glory of God and see His glory and say, I want to do something with you, son. I want to do something with you, daughter. I want, to, I want to reveal that as fast as the stars in the sky will be your inheritance. And that's Abram's testimony. And the challenge is, God knows we struggle with fear. The challenge is fear is in the opposite of believing God. This city I went to, Rochester in northern New York State, where the church of Father's house is, is famous for not too many things. There's 880,000 people there. But it's famous for this one thing called Kodak. If you're older than 25, maybe 30, you remember Kodak. They supplied the world with film for cameras. And Kodak was this amazing company. They employed 80,000 people in a city at that time that was about 500,000 people. It's a large percentage. Today, they employ about 2,000 people. But in the middle of the city is a massive building called the Kodak building, of which Kodak uses one floor. It used to have the whole building and a whole bunch of other buildings in the city because they were this company that said, we won't change. 
We won't leave our tent. We've made film for years. Film will be the future. We can stay in our tent. And our tent might be in the middle of a desert, but we're going to stay in our tent. Today, that city is famous for the city that used to be Kodak. And yet the building still stands as a reminder of an organization of a people who couldn't leave the safety of a tent. And I think God is wanting to undo some stuff. And part of it is, yes, there are scriptures sent, stretch your tent pegs wide, but sometimes you just got to leave the darn tent. So you can move into a house that the king of kegs wants to give you, and you've got to journey there. Is that, it's something of a prophetic thing that I think God really is wanting to do in this series. Honestly, I love comfort. I don't like the question, are you crazy? I was the kid who liked to be liked. And you're going, no, never, you're so secure. Not. I like to be liked. I was really small. I had a really big mouth, and I learned how to use it. And I like to be liked. I don't like people not liking me, to be honest. I did sit with someone recently who was struggling with me, and I said, but how can you not like me? I think I'm the nicest guy in the world. But I like to be like, the problem with that is, you're scared of this question, are you crazy, Rowan? Are you crazy? Who, who raises their kids and keeps taking them to church and the church is full of messes? Who does that? Who invests them? Who gets up every morning praying for the kids? Why do you do that? You're wasting your energy. Sleep so you can make more money during the daytime. Time is money and money is time. Why invest in your kids? Why leave Zimbabwe and step to Durban? Why are you crazy, Rowan? No, because the tents that look so good when they're in the middle of the desert don't look so good when they're placed in the middle of Times Square. God wants to take us on journeys. I just, I don't know. I'm excited for that. I want to be that people. I want us to be that people who step out of the tent that looks so comfy into the open skies where we can see God. Honestly, if... And we've said it before in this church, and I trust if God were to call the church back into the radical days of worshiping under trees because the comforts have got too comfortable, then he must do that. And I want to follow him to under the trees again. I don't have any other choice. I joined a church of radical people who knew nothing but the wonder and the glory of God. They knew nothing how to do church. They had no good liturgy. We, we didn't have great preachers. But there was a passion and a fire burning of Jesus Christ in the place. And that was intoxicating for me. Anyway. So this series, Are You Crazy? Are You Crazy? The gospel does that in our heart. Think about Jesus. King of kings and Lord of lords seated on his throne. Imagine he had a contemporary. He doesn't. There's no one like Jesus. But imagine what his contemporaries would have said. You're going to go to where? Into the womb of a woman, your creation. Spend nine months there in the smallness and confinement of a womb. Then go through a birthing process. And, and you're not going to be born in the Ritz. You're going to be born in a barn. And, and, and then what you're going to do, you're going you're gonna to grow up a bit like a normal kid. No one's going to know what you did until 30. But you're the Lord of the nations. And then you're going to have a ministry only for three years. And you're going to pull 12 dudes. You're going to invest your life into 12 dudes who will ultimately fail you. And run when the pressure comes. Are you crazy? And the father, like, father, why would you send your son? Why don't you just blot out the brokenness of the world and start again? Say again, let there be light. Say again, it is good. 
but he chooses to send a son. It doesn't make sense. Think about the, the, we, we, at Easter, we celebrate, we, or we celebrate the Passover. And, and in my head, I said this morning, I used to think the Passover was this nice little, like, neat little red dot of blood they put on their doors. Like, Holy Spirit's got to just check. This neat little red dot. So the neighbors didn't walk past, and it wasn't offensive to the neighbors. I don't know why I'm doing that, but I'm just doing it anyway. <laughs> I really found this really awkward right now. But, but it's like, in my head, I'm thinking, I wouldn't like red paint, blood, not paint, all over my door. I just, it's not really the thing. So the neighbors are coming, and they're taking blood of lambs, and they're throwing it all over their door. Not just a little red spot, all over the door. And the neighbor, who they like, their friends are going, are you crazy? And say, well, God has spoken. No, are you crazy? No, no, God has spoken. You know what happened? The next morning, they wouldn't be asking, are you crazy? When the one family's child is alive and the other family's isn't. This gospel's radical. This gospel demands us to live lives where the watching world are asking the question, are you crazy? So Hebrews 11, ultimately we are going to get there. Hebrews 11 is this unbelievable story of these heroes of the faith. And I just want to set it up for you tonight. I want to put such an appetite in you to read the word of God for yourselves. The sickness of the church today is apathy and laziness. Honestly, it's laziness. People love going to church and have the pastor read from, read to me, pastor, oh, glory. And then we wait for the next Sunday till we have our next glory moment. And God says, that was never the design. There is no mediator. There is no man in the middle. The middleman's been cut out. Jesus died, so there never has to be a middleman to him again, ever. My job is to call you to the world. My job is to open up this thing and make it accessible to you. This is not a hard book to read. I promise you, you're going to read theology books. I've tried to read theology books. I sit with a dictionary and I sit with the theology book and I'm going, God, help me. I need gift of something here to understand what's going on. But I sit with the Bible and it makes sense when I'm looking for Jesus. When I see Jesus, I, I get excited. And I want to put that appetite. So Hebrews 11 is this, is this unbelievable story. I was the kid who went to movies with his dad. And it was the first Jackie Chan movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean. You, you know. You go watch Jackie Chan. You walk, and I walked out the movie house, and my dad and I were pumped. like, ah. And I walked up. They had this full-life image size of Jackie Chan. I walked up. I just kicked it. Yeah. And I just, for my second, lost who I was. I thought it was Jackie Chan. It's the same when we watch the Olympics and they line up and all of us are going, I could do that still. I haven't run in years, but I, my hamstrings are shot, but I could run the hundreds. We watch the World Cup final and, and half of us are like stretching during the war. I think I could, I could make a comeback. It's not too late. Heroes, Hebrews 11 is placed in there for the church to see the heroes of this faith. But here's the funny thing. They weren't heroes when they started. Most of them were just normal, ordinary people with normal, ordinary insecurities and very big fears who encountered an amazing God in the midst of trial and challenge and a whole bunch of circumstances. They choose, chose, choosed. It's a new word. They choose. They chose to believe their God rather than their circumstances. They chose to put their faith in their God. From Moses' parents, who feature in this incredible story, to Moses, to Abel, to all these guys and girls, to, to Rahab the prostitute, who put her faith in God in amidst her brokenness. It's unbelievable. 
And it is there for us to, to read and walk out and go, I can do that. Yeah. Oh. Just careful there, buddy. And Hebrews, just some context. The book of Hebrews is written to a church that's getting old and a bit tired. And um, it's settling into the world and, and, and stopping vigilant and careful with the story of the gospel that had been placed and birthed inside of it. So that's the context of Hebrews 11. The church has got a bit tired. They got a bit old. They, they lost their fervor. They've lost their edge. And this great book is right and says, don't, don't meander. Oh, but I'm, I'm, like, I'm like a stream that meanders. No, no, no. This is not about your personality. This is not about your disc profile or your strength finders or any personality profile. This is about the design of God. You are made in the image of the Almighty. And he says, run, run, don't meander, run. Run the race, run with perseverance, run with power because there is a great story and a massive implication. Oh, I'm just someone who goes to church on Sunday. Rubbish. You are listening to a lie and that lie is determining your effectiveness. The problem is we become what we believe we are. I'm just a church mouse and my job is to serve on a Sunday. You only serve because you're a son or a daughter of the King of Kings. And if you serve for any other reason, I would ask that you stop it until you find your sonship in the King of Kings. And from that place, impact and change the world. So Hebrews is written to that context. And he writes in Hebrews 2, he, he, he speaks a warning. He says, we must pay the most careful attention. That's language for, wake up, church. Troubles ahead. Troubles ahead when we lose our way. Troubles ahead when we start walking. I'm, I'm just, I'm a power walker. You know those people. <laughs> that is ridiculous. We were made to run. Christians were made to run. The day you were taken from death to life, you were designed to run because you're not made in the image of that dead guy. You're made in the image of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And Hebrews gets inside and Hebrews 11 just goes, Boo! I'm designed for something more. Problem is when you read Hebrews 11, like, whoa, Moses. Whoa, Moses. Moses needed people to hold his arms. Sometimes we need people to hold our arms. We're just ordinary people. We get tired. This preach has not gone according to plan. But I want to share. I, I was that kid who did the same oral from Standard Six to Matric. I was the kid who read the book, first chapter and the last one, and wrote the book summary. I was that kid. I'm just confessing. So what I'd like to do is just read the end. There's a whole bunch of stuff. I really want you to read it, but for time, I'm not going to read it. I just want to read verse 39 of chapter 11 and the beginning of chapter 12. It's slide number 14. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what they had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Therefore, it's not a different chapter, it's not a different book, it just carries on. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. It doesn't give us the option to canter if you feel like cantering. It said, let us run. 
fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, weigh him up, put value to him, who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Mark, I'm tired. It's, it's end of October. It's November. Is it November? It's November. Tired. Consider him. Put value to Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who placed himself in the smallest womb of a woman he created. Consider him. Consider him and run. Not an emotional charge, a response to his image, a response to his sacrifice, a response to his design in your life. But when the books, it's this big encouragement. He says, therefore, since you're surrounded, he says, they haven't reached the perfection yet. Why? Because they're with Jesus, but there hasn't been the consummation of the ages yet when he comes back. And at that moment will be the moment that we will perfect the faith together. But he carries on. He says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let me start with sin. Well, let me say this. We call to run. Means you've got to get rid of the trailers of the past. But here's the wrong question Is it sin? And if not, I can do it. It's such a low bar, it's the wrong question. He says, Get rid of the sin, but get rid of the encumbrances some of the language uses, and get rid of everything that hinders. There's some things that aren't sin that are hindering you, and they're hindering me, like bad disciplines. Like little slips here and little slips here. God's grace is humongous. You've heard me preach about it. I don't need to qualify that here. But he said, get rid of the stuff and stop settling for the question, is it sin? Is it sin? Such a low question. Live for this question. Does it please you, Jesus? Does it please you? Does it bring you glory? Do you get pumped? When I respond to you in such a manner, in the way I treat my children, the way I speak to my wife and the mission that you've called me to. I'm really pumped for the series. We're going to hear a lot of different voices. Um, we're going to preach different messages morning and evening for the rest of the series. But my greatest prayer would be this. Read the Word of God. Not just Hebrews 11. It takes you to a million other scriptures. Work out how a cross-reference works. If you don't know or you don't have a Bible, I will buy you one personally. If you don't know Jesus and you haven't given your life to Jesus, I just want to tell you this. You're called to something more. You're designed in His image and He wants to breathe a life into you. If you do know Jesus and you're a believer, it's time to come out of the tent and look at the stars again and see Jesus. Can I pray for us? Is that all right? Yeah. Just before Mark shares, just in the message version, the scripture he read now, Hebrews 12 verse 1, the message version says it this way. It says, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blaze the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on with it. Then it says this, strip down, start running, and never quit. And I love that. I just love that. As I read it again now, as Mark was preaching, this does, this does me. God is calling a lot of us to strip down, cast off things of the past, the guilt, the shame, the, the anxiety, the pressure, the fear of the future, to actually strip down of those things. To start running. Just putting one foot, put the first foot out and start beginning this race with Jesus. 
And he said, and I'll put fire in you that will never quit and hold you till the end. Yeah. And I believe God is wanting to do that in some of us now. The thing Mark calling us to get outside the tent, I believe Mark's going to pray, but it's a prophetic shift. He said some things this, mo- this morning, but tonight he said stuff differently because I feel there's a prophetic sense over this group tonight that God wants to bring old and young, uh, black, white, those who are far from God, those who, are near, who feel they've been walking with God for a long time, but God's putting a new fire in us to say, strip down, start running, never quit. And he's wanting to call us, every single one of us, if we say, yes, God, would you do that in me? Hmm. So I'm going to ask Mark to pray. But before he does that, if that's you tonight, you're saying, yes, God is calling me outside of my tent, out of of my comfort. I believe tonight is a night of response for us. Even before we get into the series and they're saying, God, would you start doing something in me that that people would say, are you crazy? So if that's you tonight, I'm the first one standing. Can we stand? And Mark's going to pray. Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, you're here, faithful. Thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, this would be so much more than a half-time encouraging word, like some World Cup final, you can do it, boys. It's not that. It's just reminding us of who we are. You're graciously reminding us that we weren't made in our own image, and we weren't called to carry out carry a cross with our image on it. We're we're called and we're made in your image. And it's all about you, God. And I pray, Jesus, I pray, Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, in this series at this time, would you come upon us as a community? Could you come upon a community that meets in Tableview? At this time, would you come upon us that you would do something for your glory, God? We want to live for your glory. We want to come out the tent, look at the stars and say, wow, you are amazing, Jesus. You're amazing, King. You're amazing. You're amazing, King. And then, God, give us the courage to step out, to strip down whatever needs to be stripped down, the things that entangle, that just get us that little bit slowed up so we can't run anymore. Howl out that stuff that we can run for you, Jesus pray, be with us, be upon us. I pray as people here, even maybe haven't been in the word for weeks, months, years maybe. I pray, God, as they open your word tomorrow, Spirit of God, you would burn in that place and you would come alive in the hearts of men as your word brings life. We worship you, Jesus. We give you all the glory and praise. Thank you that you have included us in your great story. Thank you that the big story of the gospel, somehow you would say, come son, come daughter. We're incredibly grateful. We give you all the glory and all the praise. Amen.